Golay presents Recorded History with the RecordHub.com. 100% Irish and direct to your door. Hello, recorded historians, and welcome to Recorded History with the RecordHub.com. I'm your host, Ed Smith, and this is the podcast where you get to hear about the life story of some of your favorite musicians, comedians, actors, authors, presenters, and this week, international music superstars. Yes, all by way of the three records that have come to mean the most to them. Now, even I have been taken aback as we head into our 12th episode already, how getting people to look at their lives through the prism of their favorite music can provoke such, I suppose, honest, interesting, and revealing stories, and this week, is absolutely no different. Yeah, this week it's a big one and a good one. I get into it with a man who back in 2010, at the age of just 16, a normal lad from Mullingar with a guitar and a dream, who soon found himself in the biggest selling boy band of all time. Yes, One Direction to date have sold 70 million albums. After their hiatus, he went on to record and release numerous hit singles and number one albums of his own. And if this wasn't enough of an achievement, and for what I noticed the most after our chat, is that he's still just the lovely lad that left Munangar 13 years ago. I am, of course, you've guessed it by now, talking about Mr. Niall Horn. Uh, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect. That's not true entirely. I had been told his reputation does precede him as being nothing short of a professional and very nice. Brezzy, a very good friend of his, had told me that as well. So I kind of went in fairly relaxed, but just before I did, uh, the lovely lady from the record company, Amy, had told me that I was interview number 15 that morning alone. Number 15, I was going to be the last one and the longest. So that kind of made me think, look, if I get in here and he's a little tired, maybe not that open, isn't really in the mood for a 40-minute chat about the deeping meaningfuls about his life, his music choices, his approach to fame, his past, his future, but all of it. I would have expected and fully understood if it was a bit monosyllabic. It was anything but. He instantly put me at my ease. He seemed relaxed. He seemed to be really into it. I think after all those chats, maybe even asked the same questions over and over again, he was really genuinely looking forward to getting into it about three of his favorite albums. And he is an old music head on very young shoulders. Let me tell you that. Tell some great stories about getting to know one of his absolute music icons, how their brutal honesty has helped his own songwriting. He does go back to the One Direction days. It's very refreshing and honest about them. How one particular Irish singer-songwriter still influences his songwriting today. You know, how he keeps his head on his shoulders despite being one of the most famous and most recognised pop stars in the world today. I fell in love with him. I'm sure you will absolutely as well. So here it is. Here we are with the recorded history of Mr. Niall Horan. Okay, welcome to Recorded History, Mr. Niall Horn. Thank you so much for taking the time out of, I've borne witness to how busy your schedule is. <laughs> Tears in my eyes. So thank you for taking the time out of that and out of your incredible busy period in your life right now to discuss your three choices for your recorded history. Mm. I just want to start with this. I listened to the show this morning. Mm -hmm. Absolutely loved it. Thank you. I think it was the perfect timing as well. I was going for my big walk in the park. Lovely. Sun out, tunes out. And I think Meltdown Alone mm. got me to 15,000 steps. Good. So 
go nearly got into a sprint. Yeah, yeah. So my doctor, <laughs> on behalf of my doctor, I want to say thanks. My cardiologist wants to send you an email. <laughs> Brilliant. Was it difficult uh, to narrow it down just to, to the three albums for your recorded history today? Oh, yeah. You could, yeah. You, I feel like that's always the case, isn't it? It's hard, isn't it? Uh, but the ones that have like properly, like, a, you know, really put my finger on what were the ones that probably influenced me the most and that I can think of like points, not points in life, but like periods where I was into certain types of music, into the, you know, and moving on and what, yeah, and what influenced my writing probably the most um, were probably these three, yeah. Who was close? Who didn't make it? But there was, I was surprised not seeing any Bruce there. I know you're a massive Yeah, Bruce, Bruce but Bruce, like, I like different Bruce songs from different al- albums individually. But we're talking records here. Yeah, it was hard to. It's hard, yeah. yeah, I mean, the obvious one would have been going to Born to Run, and there's so many crackers on that. Mm. I probably would have chose Born to Run out of all of them. But there's songs from different albums that I would have. Like, I went to watch his, his um, Broadway show. <gasps> How was that? One of the most emotive, emotional experiences I've ever had. It must have been a more spiritual oh my experience. God. Like, I've never, I never had seen him live up to that point. Um, but seeing him, like, it was like seeing a, a lion in, in its natural environment. Yeah. Just him and an acoustic guitar. His wife would pop out for a couple, leave the stage. Um, he would play, like, he told his life story through these songs. And they're all not from the same record. Um, so that's why he was left out of this <laughs> batch must, of three. I must get him on this podcast. I'm sure <laughs> yeah, he'll, oh, Jesus. he'll be the next question. Listen, we'll get into it. So your recorded history, we're starting, Niall, in the year 2002. What is your first entry? Oh. Oh. By Damien Rice. Yes. Um, yeah, this album was probably... When it comes to what I naturally pick up and play, when I go when I pick up an acoustic guitar... Is probably because of this this album, the the amount of six eight songs that I've got is probably because of this album. But now that I'm talking about it, yeah, thinking yeah. about the types of I'm no poet like Damien, but the, the way I think when I'm trying to write a song comes from what I ga- gather from Damien. Yeah, because it came out. It was actually dedicated. Um, to his friend, you know, Mick Christopher, who passed away the year before. I didn't know that. Yeah, Mick Christopher, who would have been a very well-regarded, and yeah. he was almost a musician's musician, Heyday, that yeah. massive song, died very tragically in Holland, had a massive yeah. impact like, on the likes of Glenn Hansard. Yeah. And Damien Rice was in Juniper, from which actually Bellex One came as well. Mm-hmm. So they must have been some band, like Damien Rice and Bellex One together. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? God, my. So it's an interesting one, this, because Damien Rice... Uh, Juniper had a certain amount of success, but yeah. he struck out on his own for this is his debut album yeah. and insisted, even at that early stage in his career, he didn't want to sign yeah. anything over to a major record label. He, he was doing it on his own and independently. Yeah. It, it stood to him yeah. financially, yeah. obviously, but it stood to him creatively mm-hmm. as well, you know. And I think having this, I haven't listened to this album in a couple of years, so thanks for giving me the chance to revisit it. Mm-hmm. And I listened to it on the train from Mayo to Dublin, and it was just the perfect, you know. The tears, it's the most one of the most rawest, most emotive, timeless albums. It still sounds as powerful today as it did then. And I'm wondering, what was it about you? Yeah, when you first heard this, you were quite young, you mm. were in what nine? Yeah, it was nine or ten, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What were your memories of when you first came across? Oh, like, why did you think it had such an impact on you? I think it's probably, it's probably because it stood out in Irish music at that time. It is, yeah, like there was nothing like it around. 
Like he was in my young nine, being nine or ten, he was the, in my head, he was the original singer songwriter. So to hear Muse music, but obviously there was Dylan and that kind of, I kind of grew into that as I got older and things like that. I don't know what you mean. It was, Do you know what I mean? It could have been from anywhere. There wasn't, yeah. He kind of broke away from that Irish yeah, sound. Didn't exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it was more the feeling that you get when you listen to it. Like it's, it sounds like it was recorded in his living room or something. It probably was yeah. knowing him. Yeah. Not that I know him very well, but uh, you know, his character screams that. And like the, the sound, the piano sound and the recording of the acoustic guitar and the way it's recorded and how bare it is. It's so raw. And it's so raw. the, the vocal, like the wailing vocals of, um, Sorry, what's that? Lisa Hannigan. Yes, Lisa's yeah. voice in the background. Mm. Yeah, it's more than what he was nearly what he was saying. It was it's it's bigger than that. But it starts with you know it starts with delicate, which is a great song. But then yeah. that hat trick, it goes from volcano into yeah. blower's daughter, into cannonball. cannonball. Like come on, skips one and then Amy, I think something like that. You know, I I think I suppose yeah. What what I found at the time and when I listened back to it was again how stripped back and how emotionally honest and. Uh, it's it's an uncomfortable listen yeah. in many ways. And I suppose I wanted to ask you, when it came to your own songwriting, and when it comes to your own songwriting now, is something like, oh, that would that would that have inspired you to this day to kind of give a little bit of yourself? Or mm. how reticent or how able, I should say, are you to be completely honest in your songs? Yeah, I, I try and be introspective to a point and then also relatable. Mm. Um, I don't want you to need it thesaurus to figure out what I'm trying to say yeah. you know like um, but I think the honesty comes from the fact that I grew up on this kind of thing because if that's all if that's my first listen Good. if that's who I'm listening to off the bat is that a bad start it, well then I don't know anything else do I yeah. you know um, and alright well he's honest so that's how it must be done then do you know, do you know that was I mean? a gateway probably yeah a gateway drug into and that kind of ins- that kind of suppose to this day informs your there's no doubt your approach about, yeah, yeah um, I st- I'm thinking about songs that I wrote in this album and I always have them in my head like I, I'm always thinking he's one of very few where you sit and you go what would Damien do here you get to a, a juncture in a song what chord would he go here what would he's he still s- present in your mind now even when you're yeah it's amazing because I there was a bit of Damien that popped up when I listened to the album this morning and I went what is the title track I think it's mm. maybe my favourite the show the show, such a beautiful song. And then you, the song kind of drifts away. And then you bring that piano in. Well, this is, uh, you could start oh, sorry, a you start a call. Sorry, yeah. yeah. You could start, that's an absolutely stunning song. But then the piano comes in. I'm like, oh, that's very, that's a bit ricey. Yeah, yeah. So there's a bit of rice <laughs> in it, I, I felt. And I was like, and it just goes to show me that your confidence as a songwriter, I think maybe that the maturity that you're showing now in this album, it's your best work, honestly, it is. Thank you. But to throw that little bit in at the end, I mm. thought, oh. Now I get. Now I understand why Damien Rice is here. Yeah, I wanted it to be as raw as possible. I recorded that song in a in a like a barn. Wow. There was a, was a microphone stuck to the roof, and this was after the song was written. And I was sitting around, and the door was open in the studio, and like the the sound of the crickets or whatever was outside. And because the overhead mic was on, I was just sitting tinkering yeah. with my right hand on the piano and. But then I was like, well, we should put that in. I listened to it. It was recording and I didn't know. And then we were listening back to, I was going to comp everything. 
and I was listening to it back. I was like, should you just fire that in? It sounds so really glad raw you did. And, it yeah. just ends the song and a very powerful, like in a very emotive moment there. And yeah. I was like, there's a bit of Damien coming through. Yeah. What kind of records now? I know obviously you were very young to start on Damien Rice. Yeah. But what kind of records were lying around the house then when you were coming up? Yeah, there was a lot. It was all different. It was very, from what I gather, it was very American. Yeah. Like when I think about, like my father would have been more the Eagles than he would have been Stones or The Who or, you know, it was very... I think it was standard issue for any Irish dad. Yeah. Because Christy were alive at the point <laughs> and then you had to have an Eagles. Yeah. Or you didn't get your passport I <laughs> at that stage. Yeah, yeah. No, it was very... Yeah, there was a lot of that. Then I remember like hearing like Lionel Richie. Yeah. My mother had a lot of that kind of stuff like Luther, Lionel Richie, that kind of t more tempo-y type stuff. But yeah, it was definitely, there was a lot, there was a vinyl player in the sitting room, I remember. And there was a lot of that Crosby, that Laurel Canyon. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of that. Yeah, it actually, I, I moved around that area when I'm, just because that's all I knew about America was <laughs> Laurel went straight. You might as well go straight to it. Yeah. Have you seen the documentary? There's a two-part documentary. It's unbelievable. The, it's it's these, called Laurel, it's called Laurel Canyon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of them. Movie. There's another one at these hills could talk or oh, something like that. And then Jackson Bob, Brown's in it. And yeah. Then, Bob Dylan's son, I think. That's right, Jacob Dylan's in That's it. right, he did it. Marcus Mumford and all them are in. Um, yeah, that area informed everything I know about music, yeah. And that brings us beautifully, thank, thank you, <laughs> to your second entry into your recorded history, Niall. We're back in the 70s. I think we're getting into your wheelhouse now yeah. in around this epoch of music. It's 1976. This what? Is 76, yeah. 76, I know. Yeah. Actually, I just went to the anniversary gig, of course. Yeah. I'm I'm 76 myself, so it's obviously a vintage <laughs> year. You're looking great. Thank you very much. Yeah. Haven't sold as many, but anyway. It is 1976. Niall, what is your second choice? Your second entry into your recorded history? If I'm not wrong, the most sold album of all time. Up oh, yeah, yeah. Hotel second California. Second only to themselves. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They were sold themselves twice, didn't <laughs> they? Yeah. Um Hotel California, the Eagles. Yeah. Um <laughs> nah, this is this is right up my street. Yeah, um, I got that. All right. When I when I saw, I wasn't surprised by this actually being on your list. Yeah, I think you can hear some of their yeah, little bits and yeah. some of whatever I do. Um, yeah, no, this is where this was the first music I ever remember listening to, hearing the intro to Hotel California at the top of you know that album and on vinyl and seeing the the cover and I remember that I can picture it's the Bel Air Hotel. Yeah, on the cover. Have you stayed there? No, I don't even know where it is. Where is it? it must be somewhere must in Hollywood. Be. It's in California, anyways. I've just there's a, there is a hotel in Santa Barbara called the Hotel California. I was up there recently, and I was thinking, is that it? No, it's know. the Bel Air Hotel. I don't even know if it's is it yeah. Bel Air Hotel. Is yeah. it okay? So it's in LA. Yeah. Um, okay. No, but I I do uh, I, re I remember seeing my first ever gig was '97 uh, and at the RDS to see the Eagles. Yeah. How old were you then? You were four or five. Oh my god. Yeah. And you, I remember they, your dad brought you to see the Eagles at four. Yeah, that's some that's yeah. a good dad right there. Yeah, yeah, he's obsessed. Can you remember that then? What do yeah. you remember? Do you remember a lot of it. Well, it was the first. My God, first gig is the Eagles. Game. Yeah, mine was Mary Black. Not Still a bad good. one either. Still good. Yeah, not a bad one either. Um, but I remember it being like the f my first experience of any sort of gig. Obviously, any music apart from maybe some fella sitting in the corner of a pub somewhere, jamming out yeah. trad tune. Um. I remember being like on my father's shoulders and then we went again in twenty in two thousand and three or four when they were back. Um but yeah, I remember that very I remember like wanting to then go how do I get my hands on a guitar? I remember just watching so that was where it started, do you think, for you? Yeah. I remember it being aesthetically pleasing to look at. Do you know when you, you look at the Eagles and everyone's doing this? They look cool as well, yeah. <laughs> you look at they're all just standing still. Yeah. And this is the motion. 
um, of more like take it easy or peaceful, easy feeling or something like that. I can see them all lined up across the front singing such in harmony. Such a vibe, isn't it? They have it's such so, such a vibe. So cool. Like I remember just thinking that's cool. Yeah. When I was very young. Then obviously I had more of an idea of it when I went to see them again the second time, but I've seen them a thousand times since. Every opportunity I get, I'll travel for it. I'll yeah. whatever. I seen the Hotel of California anniversary gig there last year. Um at, at the forum in LA and it was just magic. They played they started the gig. A guy walked across the stage in a cloak with a vinyl in his hand. Of course. Yeah. And he just pulls it out, puts it on a record player. It starts a sign of like a what's the word? Like a you like a sign that lights up. Neon sign. Like a, like a neon sign. Yeah, yeah. Neon sign in the corner just goes bing Hotel California and then Kabuki drops and all you hear is ding, 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 ding. They played Hotel California from top to bottom. <laughs> it was just yeah. absolute Because this is the first, wasn't it? It was their fifth album, I think. Yep. They, they had a bit of a country twang to them. Mm -hmm. Then Joe Walsh joined. Mm -hmm. And they they seemed to decidedly make a decision to go, lads, we're going to have to swing for the, the stadium rafters with mm -hmm. this record. And his influence, Don Henley, his voice on this. Six of the songs written and sung by him on this. Yep. And, uh, That's about right. I was surprised, I haven't listened to this in an age either, so I was listening to this yesterday as well. Surprised how mellow it is, for the most part. There's a couple of There's tunes couple on of it that are like, I think, is Witchy Woman on this? No. No, Witchy Woman's not. But there but is you've got New Kid in Town. Life in the Fast Lane is probably the that's most. That's probably the most rocky yeah, one, yeah. yeah. Um, that's one of my favourites. I've covered that a couple of times on tour um, since. But yeah, I love Life in the Fast Lane. But yeah, it's, it is, it's more, it's soft. It's very much soft rock California, mm. mid-70s. But it's definitely the rockiest of all the records. Yeah. Again, it's a it was a complete vibe. It was, as you say, an epoch of music that was going on there. And it was definitely their heavier stuff. And they were kind of getting known as this kind of country band that they, they necessarily didn't want to be known as for some reason. It wasn't break free from that, I think. Though. Yeah, even though, like, Take It Easy is probably one of their more country or vibes. But it's still, in my head, it's a... But they haven't moved away completely. But there's yeah. definitely, I think with Joe Walsh coming in here. Yeah. And the way he works with Don Henley. And yeah adds that little certain edge and an element to it. Yeah. You know? He probably brought the most out of Don Felder as well yeah. in terms of the riffs that they would bounce back and have forth. You ever, have you met any of them? or have you? Yeah, I've been very lucky enough yeah. to, I've gotten close to, to Don over the years, which is just <laughs> absolutely mental. I remember meeting him for the first time, just being like, you are literally God to me. And I'm just standing there chatting to you. And we became really close, like I'd send him music and chatting away and he'd call Does me. Does he give you much advice now or? he's known for his bluntness and I like that. I remember sending him a ballad one time that had a bass line in it and he just said, that is an awful bass sound. And you I just, was like, well, it's Don Henley. You're that's why I sent it to you because yeah. I want that from you. Um, but no, like it just, well, everything I know of music, this is this is what I first learned, first loved. I remember hearing Joe talking about every song must have a, like a riff in it and like hearing that kind of thing and he definitely brought that. Joining the Eagles, he definitely brought them to a different sphere and, and that's where all like life mm. in the fast lane came like there was no way it, up until that point that they were probably going to come out with a like, he brought that kind of level of and when it comes to your to own it. albums then say with the balance between ballads and bops mm. for example mm. I just came up yep. is that something that you know because the albums that you've chosen today well it's, I mean always particularly low key but mm. with Hotel California it goes from life in the fast lane to yeah. new kid in town yeah. for example so how do you strike that balance with your own albums that, mm. okay, I'm going to bop it out now for, you know, this one, and then I'm going to slow it down. Mm. How much of an input and how important is that to you for putting together of the record? Yeah, it's huge. I think, like, I'm always trying to 
I treat like a track listing like a gig. Yeah. You know, and if you spend too much time at tempo, it can be like, or when we when are we slowing this down? Or if you do too many ballads in a row, you need to pick mm. it back up. Um, and I'm always trying to tell a story as well as I go uh, in terms of all the different emotions on the record. Yeah, I'd say that's that's what I'm always I'm always conscious of not boring people, telling a story, giving the diverse sounds in the album a chance to, to breathe. And just to go back to Hotel California, it's, it's quite a dark record in many ways. Yeah. It's, I suppose it's deceptive in that you think it's all just kind of easy breezy. Mm. And it's the lads really having a, a proper go, I suppose, yeah. at the fickleness of fame and the dark side of Hollywood. And, yeah, especially then, yeah. Yeah, like they would have been living through it right mm. there. And then I suppose you're notoriously unnotorious in your own, you've very well seemed to be able to manage to maintain your own private life and life away from all the, the craziness that you must be quite close to in mm. the level that you're at. How difficult is that to navigate to this day? So, I mean, you've been in it since you were 16. Yeah. Is it just something you get used to? or uh, You get used to it, yeah. And I just, I just knew, I knew, I spent long enough in Mullingar to know, to, to learn about myself. You know, I knew enough about myself before I became... Mullingar is very grounding. Yeah. Yeah. So and that just comes with being the way we were brought up and blah blah blah. So there's no there's never a chance for you to get ahead of ahead of yourself in any shape or form. Mm. And as I said, I knew enough about myself before becoming famous that I've already built some sort of a character. Yeah. Yeah, and I just never it never really interested me then when it was like, you know, the, the mad stuff, the parties, the thing that I just have always been like tried to keep myself as private as possible. You know, you can live your own live your own life and then become and then go and do the work, do work Nile versus home so it's Nile. So kind of separate. Separate the two. Still the same fella, but just very, you know, try yeah. and keep myself consciously, I try and keep myself as private as possible. It helps, you know. Well, it helps with your mental health because I was interviewing Brezzy for this as well. Mm. And he spoke very, as you'd expect from Brezzy, very mm -hmm. eloquently about how his songwriting and his performing mm -hmm. and his life in music is a, is a real outlet for him. Mm-hmm to keep him on the, on the straight and narrow, yeah. to keep him grounded and keep him level. And is it, is it the same for yourself? That image you, you spoke of earlier of just going into this, this barn with just one mic, mm. just you tinkering away, tinkering away in the piano. Yeah. And I just would have thought you'd be in like the big 16 channel desks and it all. But yeah. that moment for you was kind of a cathartic. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's the most, it, I think it's uh, the biggest cliche in music that it's the form of a form of therapy, mm. but it absolutely is. Yeah, it like is if yeah. you, but depending on what the feeling is, there's a relevant song for, you know, like if I want to go in and write a song at a thousand miles an hour, I'll get the crew together and we'll jam it out. Yeah. Whereas if I, you're in a mood and like the title track of the album I wrote during the pandemic at home on the piano. So beautiful. That song is so beautiful. Yeah. I just there's there's times for different vibes, um, but I do find it very if you're stewing on something in your head, the best place to be is pick up something pick up an instrument and just get it out and just get it out I've I've always found that the older I've gotten as well the more you stew the better the song because the concept <laughs> for this I read an interesting quote from you saying it was during the pandemic a lot of the artists that I'm talking to now for this mm. they're releasing are set to release albums like Hosier and Shania Twain mm. that they wrote and conceived the albums while they're in lockdown in the pandemic yeah and that you wrote down like you just said actually yeah that your head was in a bit of a a were and a tis mm. and you just wrote down the show yeah and that you were referring to you had in your mind this, that we're living in kind of a Truman show it felt kind of like it didn't it yeah and I, I'd never thought of it that way but you're absolutely right so that's where the genesis of 
That's where it all came from, Amazing. yeah. I kind of don't want it to be the pandemic album, if you know what I mean. <laughs> no, of course. No. You know what I mean? like, there's no sense but, of that from the, re- from the, from the songs on it. But I do think it, it provokes yeah. pandemic thoughts where, like, what's going on? Yeah. You know, is this... The show is basically saying, like, if everything was easy and nothing ever broke, how would we realise how good we had it? Mm. Shit needs to hit the fan for you to realise how, good, how grateful we should be. Um, and I think that's what where the album kind of came from. Then that provokes songs of angst and songs of being grateful for what you have, relationships wise, being relationships with people, family. Like you know, there's that's another. That was a little tipping point that you needed. Yeah, just and to write it down. I didn't do anything for. Yeah. When did we go into lockdown? End of March. I didn't do anything for about four or five months, and then and then I just started playing those chords, the opening chords of the show and, and start, I re- yeah. the first thing that came out of my mouth was life is like a board game some of the time. There you go. And you're up and running then. And then I was just like, that's, this is what the song, this is the Truman Show. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah, is, great. The, this is the metaphor, if you like. Um, not trying to be like too artsy fartsy or anything, but like definitely, it definitely, it gave me, you know, it rounded things for me. I knew that that's what the concept was going to be and I was, yeah, because there was no heartbreak involved. Yeah. So I was like, obviously, then thinking, well, the next oh, thing. I'm yeah. so settled, unhappy. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody. So, so I need, <laughs> I need something, and then obviously the pandemic came, and then it was yeah. spending a lot of time sat around thinking, like we lived in there. I I twenty four seven struggled with that a bit myself. Did like, you? But, but you know, left to my own devices. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I was. When you hear it, there's a, there's a place where you can go where it's the quietest room in the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And Microsoft have put it, built it a couple of years ago. And people can only last, I think, about 10 or 15 minutes before they start to go mad because they're like, <laughs> you start to hear your heartbeat. And there's no By the way, that's a great line, too. Yeah. Isn't so it? I'll, you can put me in the credits in the next episode. Yeah, there you go. Listen, speaking of madness and carnage, I suppose. Um, this lead into where we're yeah, going next. Yeah, we're going to get into it now, Niall. <laughs> we've, less, we've left, I suppose, one of the greatest to last but also one of the most chaotic albums I love as, as famous for what went on in the studio as opposed to you know in, in the in the recording booth but it's 90, not too far from 1976 it's 1977 actually the album yeah. that pipped Hotel California to best That's Grammy big. for best album but, oh yeah they were that close yeah yeah Never so it, it got the Grammy ahead of Hotel California but it is 1977 Niall Horn what is your third and final pick for your recorded history uh, Rumours ah. play with Mac okay. um <laughs> this is a, that's amazing. This is madness. Yeah, like I've never seen uh, an album really portray what the the artist was doing, saying, feeling more so than this. Like yeah. you've got the stuff that was going on within the band, and it's probably still going on today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it actually is. Yeah, the madness of their lives, what was going on in the studio, probably cultural stuff. You know, there's, there's yeah. I wouldn't. It's not recommended. Yeah. I don't think. The approach, they, I wouldn't say it's recommended yeah. as an approach, you know, because obviously there was Lizzie Buckingham and Stevie had broken yeah. up and then Mac, the two McVees had split up and then Stevie was Mick Fleetwood. It was all happening. It's all kicking off in there. But famously, one of the engineers, one of the owners of the studio that they recorded the album in mm. said that they used to come in at seven in the evening, right? And they wouldn't talk outside the studio. They, they weren't talking at all. So they'd come in at seven. Imagine this, right? So they come in at seven, they get a bit of help. Yeah, with somehow let's say n- nose whiskey, <laughs> a couple of glasses of nose whiskey, and then they'd they'd start recording at two in the morning, wow. when they were at their most how will I say, yeah, uh, narcotically frantic. 
And that's what came out through some of the greatest songs ever, ever. recorded. Honest to God, the, yeah. I think it's, it's the perfect album. There's no, I can't think of a more well-constructed mm. ball of madness. Um, when you think of, I don't, I wonder where the vocals done at those hours of the morning because the vocals seemed a bit more clearer than. Yeah, I think there might be a bit of my, engineering involved in that. Yeah, but if you think of songs like the chain and yeah. like that's madness, that middle eight. Or that br- like, boom, 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 boom. like where's that coming from? Yeah, it's about like, four songs in one. Yeah, it's mental. It's brilliant. Um, dreams, secondhand news, mm. and you, songbird is on that album. Yeah, and similar again. Like it, the the rhythm of this album, it's, it, it is Hotel California. Yeah, isn't it? That it's just actually now thinking about it, it kind of takes on a bit of a a bob and a weave and a roller coaster emotionally. Mm. Then you have got songbird. You've got you make loving fun. Yeah, like. The story behind that is that Christy McVie was having an affair with the lighting guy, and whose name was Curry Grant, actually. That is, Carrie, that's think, knowledge, that one. Curry Grant. So she was having an affair with him. John McVie, she told John McVie the song, she wrote a song about this guy that she was, in, well, having a, a fling with. She told John McVie, she, the song is about her dog, mm. and that she was singing about the dog. So then he was <laughs> able to perform it with her. And it's like the absolute carnage around that, you know. And I suppose just a quick, we'll get into, you know, I don't want to I suppose delve too much into your One Direction years. You've, you've spoken so often and well about it. But when you're recording the albums with One Direction, is it true? Now, actually, it was Orl over here told me this fact. So if it's incorrect, you can direct your ire at her that you'd be on tour and after the gig or in between shows, mm. there'd be a studio set up in the room or in the bus mm. maybe, and you'd all gather in, yeah. record, yeah, and then go back on to do another show the next yeah. night or that night. Yeah, it was madness. Compared to how you record now, yeah. is there anything you miss about that that approach? I do miss the madness of it. Yeah. Literally, there'd be mattresses from the bed Just to against the wall. Just soundproofing and... Yeah, and then getting like, remember recording trumpet parts in a Langham Hotel in Chicago one time and <laughs> like set, just setting up shop and doing shows and coming back and finishing that bit and do like some of the greatest like views out windows, you know, like... Yeah. Or looking out at Ipanema Beach from the hotel in Rio after recording or writing something. Just a fun way of doing it. You know, like when there's when there's nothing going on during the day yeah, before sound check. You'd be just in there like having the crack. Yeah. Writing this, singing that part, doing harmonies there. I do miss that madness. Yeah. The, like the the bittiness of it. It was all a bit all over the place. I like that. Um now it's a very different situation. It's very Tend to like, tend to do a lot of the ballads alone. Yeah, I find them. I find it very hard to write a song at tempo on me, like on my own. Like, uh, you mean physically alone, or with? Yeah, physically alone. Like, I have to be in a room with someone jamming with me or something (laughs) just to get that energy. That's where I struggled with the pandemic. There was no all all the things I had written on my own up until I met up with the producers were all very. There was probably you know like songs like science and the show and things like that. They were all kind of written before I'd met up with anyone <laughs> just because I found it easier to just sit at the piano and write a piano You're song. probably more thoughtful and introspective at that time. Yeah, yeah. That's what came through. Yeah, if you're trying to explain some something to someone, it's very hard to say, get that same emotion across because yeah. they might have a view on what you've just said then where it's easier for me to just go, it's very like, it's kind easy, of melody. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It doesn't, there's no impedance on and what mm. you're trying to express. Exactly. And that definitely comes through. I know, again, to go back again, it's one of my favorite tracks on the show. You could start a cult. Mm-hmm. And this was, you're a bit of a true crime nerd. 
Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And if, probably the most important question I'll ask today, would you be able to recommend anything that you've seen recently that, because have you seen the Morda? Yeah, I was just about to recommend that. I just finished it. It's mad. I can't, I can't sleep. It's mental. It's, uh, it's, it's not. It's absolutely yeah. Bananas! It's crazy, and it was it, they timed it well. The release of it because the trial was just about to start. It was, yeah, it was coming out. Um, but yeah, no, I uh, I do watch. I, I do. I'm not a gr- big movie man unless yeah. it's like I want to watch this new movie Air. Yeah, want to see that, yeah. or if it's like a Three Billboards or something like that. They're the kind of movies that would get get mm. me moving. But yeah, the, the true crime stuff. Yeah, and that that song was like I'd re- again, kind of like the show. The title was there before anything else, and then it was like, how do you make that interesting <laughs> without sounding murderous? <laughs> yeah, um, and I just had that written down. It's great. And yeah, kind of wanted to make like a love song out of what's like a deathly sounding title, but because um, the title yeah. doesn't match the song. Like it's no, it's you're tricked into it, going oh, and, oh, yeah. it's yeah. a surprise. Yeah, it ends up being like Dylan esque or whatever, oh, yeah. and and and. Played the harmonica and everything on it, but um, that song kind of was the last thing I felt like I was missing. I was missing that acoustic moment. Gorgeous. Because up until that point, there's not really that much yeah. acoustic stuff on the album. It really stands out. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was talking about layering it up, and because I've all throughout the album, you'll hear a lot of like backing vocals and stuff, and that's where like that seventies thing we were speaking about. Like all of my favorite stuff is very vocal led and very harmony led, and as part of the production is your guitar line or your synth, whatever. So I was big on that. And I had all these plans for Cult. I was like, I was going to get in all these, this choir and I was going to string it up and all that. And then my producer, Joel, was just like, no. Just strip it back. Keep it. Just your, that's what we're missing. We're missing the... Yeah, it's good. The Nile Horan song. And just before I let you go now, listen, thank you so it's much. It's been brilliant, eh? Honestly, that's been such a joy. You're heading off on a big festival tour. Yes. The album is made for f- singing back to. I think so. Yeah. I think by the time you get to the picnic at the end of the summer, mm. you're gonna be, you won't have to open your mouth. Like, be brilliant. It's going to be amazing. I'd be tired and by then. The festival Both scene, is, is that something you've, you've encountered? Have you played festivals before? Or? Never played a festival. Right. Love going to them. Yeah. My favourite week of the year is Glastonbury. Oh. Um, I just love the rambling around the nowhere to be but to see your favourite band or bump into a band that you've never seen before and you yeah. become that's a fan That's a great way of... for you to introduce yourself to new fans. Correct. That's, what, that's, that's part of the reason yeah. why I wanted to do it. I obviously knew that the pit would be more than likely Preached full of... Converted. You know, correct, yeah. 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 Um, I'm looking for, you know, Joe Soap that's going for a burger, you know. Uh, Clever because there's so many singable songs on this album that I think by the time, like the likes of EP comes around, like I say, they're going to be singing the songs back at you. EP will be a special. Like, yeah, I've obviously watched so many. I went to Oxygen myself years ago, but like going to going to Electric Picnic, having known so much about it, seen so many great videos of Irish singers playing it. It'll be... Uh, Time has it'll come. Be, it'll be very special. Yeah. I, can't, I can really can't wait for well, it. Like, feeling that love from the Irish crowd is something that you thrive on. That's going to be magic. Niall, again, thank you so much for sharing your time and your recorded history. Before, thank just one final question. You've gone on tour. You can only pick one of the albums that you've talked about today, what is the one album of the three that you're taking with you? California. Yeah. I just think it's got a song for every every mood, every feeling. And it's the kind of thing that get you revved up before a gig too. Brilliant. So, Hotel California. Niall Horan, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so there he goes. The impressively sound and the soundly impressive Mr. Niall Horn. Now, I haven't met many global superstars in my day, unfortunately. Well, I mean, 
apart from Marty Morrissey, of course. But if I did, they really would have to bring their absolute A-game to beat the loveliness of Niall Horn. let me tell you. The new album, The Show, is out. It's genuinely very, very good. His best work so far. And there's also been news since we chatted that he's now doing two dates in the Three Arena 2024 on February the 23rd and February the 24th, as well, of course, in between, he'll be taking the stage at EP. Now, if you haven't heard or want to go back and revisit one of the records that Niall has mentioned, or just one you love yourself, then we'd love it if you supported our partners at therecordhub.com. We simply could not make this podcast without their phenomenal support. And I do hope you enjoyed this week's Great Dive and that you'll join me next week and every Sunday after that, in fact. Next week, we'll be getting into it in a very poppy way with the lovely Amy. I've been Ed Smith. This has been Recorded History. Now, all you have to do is hit the old subscribe button just there. There it is. Thank you very much. And become a weekly listener. But above all that, subscribe to yourself. Why? Because you're bloody marvellous. Good luck. Go Loud presents Recorded History. Hosted, produced and researched by me, Ed Smith, at Go Loud Studios. The show was created and executive produced for Go Loud by D-Ready. Our series is proudly supported by TheRecordHub.com, your local Irish and online record store.